0: This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Saturday, July 25th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The overall picture of the Trump administration with respect to immigration is a grim one. During a pandemic where a quick jumpstart to the economy is absolutely necessary, the Trump team has doubled down on preventing immigrants from helping the U.S. rebuild its economy. David Beer discusses the tens of thousands of employers that have been harmed by these restrictionist policies. If you hear certain members of Congress talk like Ted Cruz and others, uh, we should not be even considering uh, immigration broadly uh, right now, given the high unemployment rate in the United States. Uh, Before we get into the nominal subject matter here, why is that wrong?
1: Well, the basic uh, view of economics is that uh, when workers come in and they fill jobs, they create... uh, a, a comparable number of jobs uh, elsewhere in the economy. And the way this happens real simply is, you know, if I'm a roofer and I need some roofers to, you know, get up on some uh, buildings and 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 build me some roofs and I hire them from Mexico, those Mexican workers result in me purchasing more products, more nails, more shingles, uh, et cetera, and that increased demand for for products uh, and production elsewhere in the economy creates jobs uh, for other people. And the faster that this process can happen, where jobs get filled and, and more demand for jobs is created elsewhere, the better off
0: everyone in the economy will be. So how many employers are affected by the various... Uh, Worker, ba- is that the way to put it? Worker bans that the Trump administration has imposed. Yeah, so
1: we have bans on on foreign workers, uh, basically across the board, uh, with only a few exceptions, and those bans will probably affect about twenty thousand uh, businesses o- over the next six months alone. Uh, you can basically double that number if you're talking about a full. Year, which uh, presumably would only happen if uh, president trump is is reelected, so
0: with respect to uh the the various visa programs uh, for various kinds of workers, w- what groups are most affected, and which ones concern you most? Well, they all concern me,
1: but uh you know the list it includes The uh, highest high skill category for H1B temporary workers. Uh, These perform a lot of tech jobs. They are involved in healthcare. They're doctors, Uh, they're doing finance, uh, accounting. Um, So these workers are helping people transition to remote work. They're helping combat the uh, pandemic at hospitals. Um, so th- that group is certainly one where are very concerned about uh, the impact there. Um, we're also uh, banning uh, L1 high-skilled workers. And the L1 category are for uh, executives and skilled employees of multinational companies uh, with uh, operations in the United States. And you don't hear about this category very often, mostly because it's not controversial with anyone in Congress. Uh, The idea of banning employees uh, of multinational firms from transferring their employees into the United States, it's very harmful if you're a business who wants to open a branch in the United States. If you can't transfer any of your employees to the United States, you're not going to do that. And so we're basically uh, banning uh, the expansion of multinational companies into the United States, foreign direct investment, uh, basically much more difficult if you're not going to be able to uh, have your supervisors and your executives oversee that production. There was some talk initially when the ban came out that uh, there would be waivers put in place for at least the highest skilled CEOs and uh, executives of these companies. Uh, it turns out the State Department does not consider uh, CEOs and, and executives of multinationals to be in the national interest, and so it defined the national interest to not include uh, those uh, those people. Um, if they had been deemed in the national interest, they could have received a waiver. Um, you know, if you're talking about uh, people in the medical fields, you know, there was a waiver put in place um, for H-1Bs but it was very narrowly defined. So for example, um, you had to be prove that you were going to be involved with medical care for someone who is currently hospitalized with COVID-19. That was your only path to get a medical professional uh, into the United States uh, under this ban.
0: And that's such a that's such a weird uh, requirement, because if you assume that a lot of medical professionals uh, are being drawn away from their regular practices in order to deal with COVID-19 cases, that still leaves a a big gap to be filled.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, uh, doctors can do a lot of different things um, and we don't know when, uh, you know, the pandemic is going to hit a certain area. So there are a lot of reasons why that's just a ridiculous uh, requirement. Uh, it's, like, it's like
0: it's almost like we're setting ourselves up to not respond properly.
1: right. I mean we're we're basically you know putting it in uh, you know uh, businesses and hospitals in the position of of uh, you know not being prepared. and we we're already seeing stories about um, medical professionals who are stuck abroad. They can't get visas, they can't come here. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a real problem, uh, when you're dealing with a pandemic, we, we should not be obstructing. In fact, we should be expediting, uh, the processing of these people. Um, just to move on, I mean, there are other categories for, for lesser skilled workers who are also targeted by the ban, uh, H2B, temporary non-agricultural workers. Um, the vast majority of these, about two thirds are involved in landscaping. Um, And when you think about landscaping, that includes a huge number of uh, different activities. Uh, Obviously, we have, you know, mowing people's lawns, but we also have people who come and uh, uh, do all of the trimming of trees around power lines and that type of thing, which is absolutely uh, essential work if that goes, um, you know, if that's not dealt with. Uh, That can lead to huge problems uh, with with the electrical system in the United States. and um, But even beyond that, uh, just the idea that we're going to ban people from getting their lawns mowed or uh, having this type of work done uh, really doesn't benefit anyone. I mean, you can have someone come to your house and have your lawn mowed and have your landscaping done without ever seeing them or having any contact with them. And so... Uh, what we're really doing is is penalizing homeowners, and and um, you know whenever you you know as I explained at the intro, uh, whenever you're talking about uh, decreasing the amount of economic economic activity in the United States, you're really talking about slowing down the recovery. Uh, all of these landscaping businesses are are, are purchasing products, they're getting uh, their uh, machines worked on. All of this is creating. Other jobs elsewhere in the economy that uh, would help speed up the recovery
0: and and more than that, they're they're existing. They're living. They're paying rent. They're paying mortgages. They're uh, consuming right. all manner of products as any other family would.
1: absolutely. yeah. so uh, you know the the way in which uh, workers create demand for for other jobs elsewhere in the economy is uh, you know, so numerous and diverse that you don't see it immediately. Um, You know, it's really the problem of of the seen and the unseen. You see them doing the work, but you don't necessarily see the jobs that they're creating. Um, But it's exceptionally important that this type of economic activity happens so that, uh, uh, you know, we can all benefit from it.
0: So uh, it seems uh, seeming increasingly likely uh, that we will have a different administration this time next year, although that's far from certain. Uh, Do we have any sense uh, about what a President Joe Biden would do with respect to uh, immigration? A whole lot of what President Trump has done has been unilaterally, uh, without congressional input. Um, Do we expect Joe Biden to simply undo a lot of these restrictions on allowing people into the United States? Well, he says
1: that he would reverse all of the Trump executive orders, uh, bans, uh, et cetera, actions, regulations that he's put in place uh, on immigration, uh, says he doesn't support any of them. Um, that that may or may not be the case. Uh, I'm skeptical. Um, he has promoted, you know, the same sort of nationalist bi American uh, rhetoric, uh, over the last couple of months of his campaign. Um, a little bit different strategy, um, with respect to how he wants to go about doing that. Uh, but if we're still in high unemployment and, uh, you know, we're in a situation where, uh, the economic recovery and the pandemic are still, uh, looming in the background, I could see him continuing some of the restrictions. Uh, I think he would definitely loosen most of them, uh but uh, some of his advisors are much more of the mindset that we can uh, uh compete with the Republicans by being only slightly better than them on immigration rather than diametrically opposed
0: yeah it's it's uh it it would be easy for uh, Joe Biden to simply say, I'm going to undo a bunch of stuff that was bad recently, but I'm not going to engage in anything that is proactive and positive uh, for the U.S. with respect to immigration.
1: Right. He has put out plans that that says he wants to increase green cards. He he wants to reduce the backlog of, of uh, applicants, which you know, if you're talking about the employment side, you're talking about a million people who are waiting for green cards, the uh, family-based, family-sponsored categories. uh, We're talking about about 4 million people waiting. Um, These people are, you know, waiting in decades, uh, long lines. Many of them will never see uh, the end of that line before their death. Uh, But so he has put out some pretty pro-immigration positions. Uh, Certainly on uh, asylum, refugees, he's quite good. When it comes to temporary workers, uh, guest workers, he's been much more ambiguous. Uh, The unions are very much against any kind of temporary worker migration, uh, despite the fact that basically, uh, if you're looking at the number of of, uh, sponsored employees who come in through the permanent system, It was about 7,000 last year. Uh, If you look at the temporary uh, programs, about 700,000 came in through those categories. And the way they ultimately receive permanent residence is by convincing their employers uh, that they're worth it to go through that lengthy process once they're already in the United States. So the permanent skilled uh, system is entirely dependent on the temporary system and so the unions have focused very heavily on curtailing or 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 almost getting rid of that temporary system which would do a a huge amount of damage to the permanent system
0: of uh employment based immigration as well to the extent that we may be nearing the end of uh the trump administration uh what Is the big takeaway from his immigration policies?
1: I think the big takeaway from President Trump's uh, presidency on immigration is that he's effectively overturned all of the core elements of U.S. immigration policy prior to uh, his administration. Uh, Certainly, he thinks it's an asset that he's done this. But uh, if you look at what were the core elements, uh, probably the first one and maybe the biggest debate that we had. Uh, during the 20th century about immigration was whether to discriminate against certain uh, countries or nationalities in our immigration policy. That was one of the first actions that the president took was banning majority Muslim countries. That country-based ban has now expanded into countries in Africa, um, and he's continued to use these uh, country-based bans during the COVID pandemic. Um, So we now have a system where certain countries are eligible and other countries are just presumptively ineligible. Everyone who's a resident of those countries can't uh, come to the United States. Uh, The the second major principle of U.S. immigration policy was uh, family prioritization. uh, Family-sponsored immigration made up 86% of all permanent immigration uh, visas to the United States prior to Trump's uh, term in office. He has worked diligently to reduce that um, and eliminate family-sponsored categories. Um, During this pandemic now uh, in the recovery, he has uh, eliminated uh, these categories almost completely except for spouses and minor children of U.S. citizens. Spouses and minor children of legal permanent residents banned, siblings of U.S. citizens banned, parents of U.S. citizens banned, adult children are, have been banned. Um, so he's basically totally changed uh, the uh, the immigration system when it comes to family sponsored immigration. Then we were just talking about temporary workers, but uh, that was the third major pillar was that we have a, an expedited process. Uh, for letting temporary workers into the United States. That's gone. And then the final pillar was humanitarian protection for asylum seekers, for refugees. Uh, The refugee program has been gutted. Uh, Prior to him coming into office, we were letting in 85,000 refugees a year. This year, we'll probably let in about 10,000. And even before the pandemic, we were only at 20,000. So He's uh, basically gutted the refugee program and then the asylum uh, system. He's erected the number of barriers to requesting asylum in the United States is so long that it would fill uh, multiple books. But the bottom line is that uh, you cannot request asylum to the United States in the United States right now. Um, You are immediately deported back to your home country. And uh, so all of the four major pillars Of U.S. immigration policy for decades uh, have been undermined or eliminated under this president. And it's going to take a lot of work to rebuild uh, that system uh, or to build a new system that uh, is even better than the one that uh, the president inherited.
0: David Beer is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.